have kind of this gaping hole in our understanding of Christian life. Uh, when we think it's it's about me and Jesus, it's about my spiritual journey and mm-hmm. getting me to where I want to be, and rather than understanding, yeah, if I love Jesus, I'm going to love what he loves. Hi, everybody. Hello. <laughs> this is Pastor John. This is Pastor Tim. Kind of started us a little different. You yeah, know. I like that, changing it up a little. Yeah, uh, but the name's not different. This it's is Every Moment His. still Every Moment His podcast. Every single one. Yep. And we're still in Kearney. Nebraska. Although we were in Amherst today. Yeah, which is a lovely, lovely town. We ate at the Stockman. Which has amazing burgers. Yeah. Good service, too. Yeah, yeah, very good service. And we had a great service at Trinity Amherst. Uh, We get together each month with our pastors um, in our circuit, and we just happened to get together with the pastors up in Amherst. Yep, got a burger. We we worshiped together. Yeah. Received Christ and, and heard his word, and we... Uh, talked about business. We talked we about did. what's what's happening in Carney and what's going on in the churches. So, yeah. so well, today uh, we are going to talk about First um, John a little bit. We're in this uh, sermon series during the Easter season called uh, "Called to Community," and you know, First uh, John is all about community. And so, I was thinking of a title for this, and I, I thought maybe we would call it uh, Three Ways to Kill Community." <laughs> That's a good one. A little morbid. <laughs> But uh, in your sermon on Sunday, you talked about uh, these three kind of false teachings or things that were dividing the church. Yeah. And uh, so we wanted to kind of talk about modern manifestations of these things. You know, how do we see these kind of divisive kind of heresies and false teachings kind of uh, break up our community, Uh, not just in the first century church in Ephesus, where we're pretty sure that uh, John was writing to, but also here uh, in the American church. Yeah, so sound yeah, good. And you've been really digging into some scholarly articles, and, and there's been some discoveries about, you know, what caused that church split back in the day. You want to tell them about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have been doing quite a bit of reading um, on the situation, the historical situation that led to the writing of First John. What was it that was causing a rift in their community? Because we're pretty sure that, that the letter was written to address this split in a church. Uh, um, somebody, a, a large group of people apparently had left the church and caused a lot of pain and strife. And so um, turns out they just unearthed, archaeologists have just discovered that they were divided over the question of masks. <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was the masks that got it. It was, <laughs> yeah. There were some people who oh said man. that we should, we must wear masks in church. And there yeah. were other people who said that there were anti-maskers. And so, yeah. and so there was this big exodus from the church. And uh, that's what caused the rift in their community. Oh now, man. what we don't know is we don't know if John was for masks or against masks. I so. wish we could learn from this somehow, yeah. but so. I f- fear we um, cannot. That spoiler, was a good, that spoiler was kind alert, of that <laughs> was a joke. That was a joke. 
<laughs> not <laughs> to be offensive, one. but we got we got to have some humor these days. Yeah, right? I think so. Got to take some things lightly. the only way to get through a yeah. pandemic is to laugh. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. Well, no. Well, let's <laughs> let's talk about what really really <laughs> what was really the did divide the yeah, church. Yeah. Really not not something problem. as as light as yeah. masks, but uh, something much more serious. And you know. I was looking in the commentary. Gosh, we must have read the same commentary. Um, we did. Because uh, the issues at hand in the church John was writing to were, number one, a denial of Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, taking on flesh and blood and being a human being. Uh, number two was a haughty, prideful, schismatic lack of love. Mm. And by schismatic, that's a Greek word for tearing, meaning that there's these people who are prideful, and very kind of forceful, and they they tore apart the community through their lack of love. And then number three, this denial that sin could harm their fellowship with God. Yeah. So uh, yeah, all these things, you know, in in preaching on this, I think really, and and ser- searching the scriptures through this, I really think that these things really flow mm-hmm. together nicely. I mean the. Uh, the main issue, right, is does God care about human flesh? Yeah, being human. Yeah. Does that and, matter? And you can see that if people are denying that Jesus came in the cr- in the flesh, if they're denying Jesus's body, mm-hmm. his physical body, then they can also deny the respect that's due to the very body of Christ in the church, and then also that it doesn't really matter what you do in the body. Yeah. And this is probably an early form of the early church heresy called Gnosticism. And we've talked yeah. about this before. It's just this kind of denial of the body. The body's bad. The spirit's good. This elaborate scheme of like escaping the body and going off into the heavenly spaces. Yeah, and kind yeah. of secret knowledge uh, pathways, you know, that you have to attain. Kind of like knowledge. the original conspiracy theory kind of, yeah. Yeah. There's Secret society, maybe. gods and demigods, and uh-huh. it's it's all weird. But anyways, it seems like John was fighting against that in his writing. Well, and it's so interesting too how quickly this corruption came powerfully into the church and caused a church mm. split. You know, like these people knew the apostle John. You know, and yeah. we would think, wow, that would really, really solve all our problems if one of the apostles was here. But as soon as John was gone for a number of years, the, the church uh, got corrupted. And so I think there's a bit of a lesson there for any church, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we need to be careful to guard our doctrine and to, be, and to pass it on beyond ourselves to the next generation so that they mm-hmm. can stand firm on something and know that lies creep in pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's very interesting. If you look at the epistles, the letters written in the early church, just about all of them are, are addressing some type of a, a false teaching or a, or a split or a division. I mean, Paul is writing to the Corinthians because they're very prideful and boasting and kind of, you know, really there's a lot of infighting yeah, and party rich spirit. Yeah, and poor. And yeah, yeah, and then Galatians, you know, Paul begins Galatians with like, I my mind is blown that you've let go of the gospel this quickly, you know. Yeah. Um, 
All the rest he's pretty cool about it. He's like, hey, guys, Apostle Paul from Jesus Christ. Yeah. Grace and peace to peace you. Peace out. You know. Galatians, he's like, you guys are the worst. You guys, you come on. Sit down, buckle up. You guys, here we go. You, you <laughs> let go of the gospel. We need to talk. Oh, man. Uh, you know, even like Revelation and in in John's mm. Revelation, he's writing to the churches and commending them for certain things, but also challenging them on other things. And um, even when you read the gospels, I think you get hints of this too, that, that from the very beginning of the church, the, the truth has been contested. And I think we see this today. And really, so the purpose today is I want to take a look at these three kind of community killers <laughs> and how do we see them crop up in modern American Christianity, maybe right here hmm. in good old Kearney, Nebraska. Yeah. So the, the first one, I think this one's kind of tricky. Um, Denying that, Jesus came in the flesh. Yeah, denying yeah. that Jesus was truly human. And, uh, you know, I, th- I do think that one connection there is just simply that, and this is what I kind of preached on, just simply that God could never use uh, earthly matter to affect yeah. salvation. Physical it must things. be spiritual alone. Like if I want to really know Jesus, I'm going to go up on a mountain Yeah, and kind of, you know, just get in touch with the Holy Spirit. Meditate. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to have a kind of reality. private religious experience mm-hmm. with the Spirit. And yeah, that, you know, God, I think, you know, God's way of, of, of giving Christ to us is a little more simple. You know, we're kind of looking for mountaintop Jesus mm-hmm. experiences, but, you know, well, you should probably just go to church <laughs> yeah. and, and, and maybe be around other Christians. And maybe read your Bible and, and pray. And those yeah. are the ways that we're encountering Christ. Or go to the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Remember your baptism. I, th- I think that um, there's a bit of a scandal with God becoming one finite person. Mm-hmm. Um, because that means that one finite person, well, infinite eventually, but finite in his, in his humanity... Located to one place. Yeah, his, one yeah. set of words coming from his mouth, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that just makes, um, it just takes all the power, right? It means there's one exclusive truth. There's not many pathways. There's not, mm-hmm. um, you cannot uh, philosophize yourself into God's good graces or yeah. meditate yourself into God's good pr- um, graces. It's not buffet spirituality. Yeah, right. It's like you can't just go and pick inspirational quotes, Buddha, Muhammad, yeah, you know, a little new age. Yeah. A little hobby lobby, a little hobby lobby, posters, yeah, maybe even a little, uh, kind of pop psychology. Yeah. And then also Jesus, because of course Jesus, but yeah, right. Because we're Christian, but really that's not the way it works is that we're saying that if you want to know God, there's only one place you can look and that is in Christ. And not just Christ, but Christ crucified and risen from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say, though, that what, so Jesus Christ is divisive, but also unifying. And in fact, the sermon that we heard today at our circuit meeting up at Trinity Amherst, uh, Pastor Quentin Condiff preached it. Um, and he was talking about how Jesus Christ coming in the flesh is really the basis of our unity. Hmm. Like Jesus is our unity. Our confession of him is Christ crucified and risen. 
That's the basis for our fellowship together. And that was in the reading, right? I write these things to you that you might have fellowship with the Father and the Son and fellowship with us. And, but also, um, our fellowship can be broken by Jesus because sometimes we might find that we're not always talking about the same Jesus. And I think that sometimes what people will do is that they'll kind of craft Jesus in their own image. You know, they'll say, my Jesus would never, or my Jesus is this. We see Jesus as, you know, whatever agenda, whatever thing we're on. We just kind of plug him into that. So the incarnate Christ kind of puts an end to those controversies because he says, he's saying things. So it's either you're going to hear his words and and come under that loving authority, or you're going to say, no, I think I got another way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, and are you willing to embrace a Jesus who not just comforts you, but a Jesus who actually makes you uncomfortable? Yeah. And Jesus only makes us uncomfortable so that he can draw us closer into his comfort. But I think that we need to be open to a Jesus who disagrees with us, all of us, because, you know, if Jesus Christ is the only truth, then his truth is going to offend all of our ideas of truth at some way, at some level. And so I wonder sometimes if we in the church will often hold on to certain beliefs or practices or opinions that Jesus is not on the same page with us about. Mm. But are we willing to trust him enough to say, okay, Jesus, your terms, not mine. Yeah, a good way to figure this out is if you read the scriptures and something offends you. Um, or you simply don't understand it. Um, and, yeah. and then you have to wrestle with that. Is it, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to reject what the scriptures are saying, or am I going to accept it and change what's in me rather than what's in the scriptures? Yeah. Am I going to shut the book and walk away? Yeah. Am I yeah. going to maybe kind of try to reason with that, or am I going to... Be selective in my belief. Really be prayerful about it and say, mm-hmm. Lord, this bothers me. Help me. Mm-hmm. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Yeah, so. yeah I, a friend of mine at the seminary who's now a pastor, He, <laughs> one of the things he said, he's like, you know, I just ha- kind of have this healthy understanding that when I read the scriptures and when I listen to the seminary profs, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're yeah. right. And that's been a pretty useful mindset. And I think yeah. there's, there's some truth to that. Yeah. Yeah, even when I sit down to read the Bible, it's like, yeah, this is going to challenge me. Yeah. Um, next thing is, you know, this kind of, um, lack of love. And I think we can all agree that we should be loving, right? I mean, everybody loves love. Yeah. But we're talking about a very particular type of love here. John tells us that we ought to love the brothers and that whoever hates his brother is a murderer. (laughs) And, uh, you know, if we hate our brother or sister in Christ, that we're walking in the darkness. Right. And so... And this is even, I think, one of the kind of tests, I think, of true faith is do you love the brothers and yeah. the sisters? And and so we really kind of hurt community in the church when when we think that I can have a brother or sisterless faith, hmm. meaning that I don't really need the church. And And that's just something you mentioned in your sermon that this is kind of a cancer that inflicts our generation especially is that I'm cool with Jesus, but I don't need the church. Yeah, yeah, we, we have kind of this gaping hole in our understanding of Christian life 
uh, when we think it's it's about me and Jesus, it's about my spiritual journey and mm-hmm. getting me to where I want to be, and rather than understanding, yeah, if I love Jesus, I'm going to love what he loves, at least be yeah. interested in what he loves. And he loves a gathering of people yeah. who are not perfect, who are not always cool, yeah, who are, who are going to let you down. They might be old. And they might be loud, like young little they babies crying young. in church. Yeah, they might be single. Yep. Might be married. They might be anything. Yep. They might be completely opposite of your demographic. They might speak a different language than you. Yeah, they might even be a little weird. Yeah, yeah. they might be uncomfortable. Yeah. And Jesus loves them. They're his people. And so when we are calling ourselves Christians, mm-hmm. we want to say, that means I'm Christ's brother, and he's brother to all of these people. Yeah. And I'm a son of the living God or a daughter of the living God, along with all of these people, my brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. And so, yeah, you can hardly turn a page in the New Testament or the Old Testament without understanding the life of faith as a life of community. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this kind of goes to the text I'm preaching on this Sunday, which when this airs, it will have been preached. Mm-hmm. Assuming I don't die or anything, but... Um, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm preaching this Sunday, God willing, about um, uh, what manner of love, how great of uh, love the Father has given to us that he should call us his children. And yeah. that's what we are. And that's First John 3, 1. And I think that sometimes we hold that a little cheap, you know, because we think, well, everybody's God's children. Mm. Well, no, if you look at the scriptures, no, to be called a child of God means that you're born of God. That means that you have experienced this rebirth, you know, that we are alive in Christ, that we are born of God. And that's not true of everybody. And in fact, John is comparing that with the world. So there's the world and then there's the children of God. And so if you recognize that you're born of God, that means that you're going to love other people who are born of God and that you're actually going to recognize that you have a closer tie to them than your flesh and blood family. Mm. Yeah, they say uh, blood is thicker than water, right? But I think uh, a biblical statement would be no, water is thicker than blood. You think of like baptism? Yeah. yeah. I think We're all baptized into Christ, yeah. And, and I think that is a hard, it's like a lifelong lesson. It is, yeah. yeah. You know, and I think it, it's often revealed um, to us as we come into Christ's light, uh, you know, the Bible says, I think it's first John <laughs> says, what fellowship does light have with dark? Mm-hmm. You know, like when um, a member of your family, someone you love, care about, doesn't know the Lord and isn't walking with him. Um, you just, it's so hard to build a foundation continually of life together because your fundamental assumptions of life are different. Yeah. And value, you value what the Lord values. So, and then on the beautiful side, you know, the, some people have never had a good family, um, mm. but they find in the church uh, a family that God has constructed, put together, blessed uh, through his son, Jesus Christ. And they find they have everything in common yeah. um, with these people and that they love them more and more and more. Mm. And they are loved more and more and more. Yeah. And I see that at Holy Cross, you know, people who really feel like this is my family. Yeah. They've been here for a long time, and, and, you know, we just need more of that. I think that in the future, you know, my hope is just that we would value that family status more and more. 
And you can't be a consumer, right, mm -hmm. with that. I mean, you have to really learn how to be let down. And you have to learn how to not be trying to be impressed, you know, mm -hmm. because we're talking about people, right? And yeah. and we're all broken and we have rough edges, but we're we're God's people. And we're not always the coolest kids on the block, right? Yeah, there might be cooler things to do with your time, cooler yep. people to spend. Maybe you know, even from more a worldly exciting. perspective, yeah. even, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I think a good challenge would just be to think, you know, if if the church, if I was in a, a city um, where there was no church besides one church and the only people there, you know, were uh, people way older than me and way younger than me, or, you know, I just didn't fit in at all. Yeah. Would that be so difficult that I would just refrain from attending? Yeah. Know, because like, uh, it's just nothing for me there. Like, let's say that you grew up going to a very, you know, traditional Lutheran church, you know, with out of the hymnal, and then you went off to college, and then the only church that was there was a Lutheran church that, you know, did praise and worship songs, and you're like, I don't like this, mm -hmm. but would you go? Or right. vice versa, you know, if you grew up going to like a contemporary church where they would only sing contemporary songs, and, and then you went, um, you know, to maybe you moved to a town where the church was, you know, demographically, everybody's 70 or above. Yep. And that church is, does the same service out of the hymnal. Yeah. You know? And maybe the preacher's even a little boring, you know? Yeah. Like, w would you still say, well, these people all believe the same thing I do. So I'm going to go. I'm going to get to know them. I'm going to go to the potluck. <laughs> yeah, know? right. I'm going to eat the green jello. <laughs> right. But Pastor John, that that doesn't sound exciting to me. Yeah. It's not very cool. Yeah, that's yeah. not my jam. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> I'm to the point where, you know, I'm in my late 30s. I'm a dad. <laughs> I'm going to wear my sneakers yeah. with black socks <laughs> while I mow the lawn. I don't care. Yeah, yeah I, I think it is, it is a mature mindset to see these things the way Christ has, um, d the New Testament describes them. If you're in a church, you're in a family, and you don't get to pick your family. You know, like your family, even your earthly family, you don't get yeah. to pick them. Nope. And you don't really get to pick your heavenly family either. If they're the people that God has chosen for you. That's true. Pulled yeah. you in together with. So you you got to have love. It's what the world needs right now. <laughs> it's all we need. Yeah. Yep. It's all you need is love. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> love of God. Okay. Yeah, love of God. Okay. <laughs> so number three was this denial that sin could harm our fellowship with God. And I would say even with one another. And Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that in the original context, you had people saying, like, if you just know the right stuff, then it doesn't really matter what you do. These Christians that John, or these um, heretics, rather, that were distancing themselves from the church uh, that uh, John was writing about, apparently they were saying that they didn't have any sin or that they were kind of above sin. That, um, it's a non-issue It's a non-issue for yeah. them. They graduated. They graduated from <laughs> sin. And really the truth is that the more we mature in Christ, the more we recognize how deeply flawed we are and how deeply we need Christ. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I don't know if you can think about where you see this in the world, but I, I've seen, you know, some older folks are like, you know, they're kind of middle-aged and they're like, you know what? I went to church when I was a kid. 
and I went to church when I, I was raising my kids. You know, I was there every Sunday. I kind of put in my time. I put in my time yeah. and I'm done. Yeah. And now um, it's kind of me time. And I, I don't really have moral struggles anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm married, I'm stable. You know, pretty mm-hmm. much my biggest concern is getting my lawn as green as possible. Getting you ready know, for retirement. the month of May. Getting the kids through college. Yeah, so they just yeah. kind of say, oh, I don't really see the point anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't rec- I'm begin not to recognize um, the sinful attitude of, of not loving God, mm-hmm. not loving my neighbor, m- not loving my church. I think you have a lot of men who are in that place. I think so. And I think we need to do a separate episode sometime about men in church because I do think that sometimes, you know, men, you know, we're kind of looking for direction and we've kind of been told that being masculine is bad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that we don't really know what manhood means, and so, but the church—I don't think the the church always does the best job of saying, "Hey, this is a really masculine thing—is to be in worship with your family," mm-hmm. you know. And um, we should do an episode on that sometime. Let's do that. We yeah. should because, you know, worship and masculinity are—they pair well. I mean, I think so. And yeah. and just um, kind of claiming your. Sp- base in creation, right? You yeah. have dominion in the name of Jesus. You got what will be responsibility. Yeah. yeah. You have yeah. a responsibility as a man to, to worship your God and to love those around you. And uphold the truth. It doesn't mean you have a, a big truck and well, wait, wait guns. A and <laughs> I drive a Mazda 3 and I feel pretty secure <laughs> in my masculinity. Um, but the gun thing, I think you should have at least a few guns if you're a man. You don't have to. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's, yeah. It's more about uh, dominion, right? How how will you, in the name of Jesus, br- cultivate? This is a good yeah. Genesis word. Cultivate. I like to shoot. I like to shoot shotguns. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not good at basketball. I gotcha. That's why. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I am evidence that you don't have to be athletic to be manly. Yeah. Yeah. You're like quite manly. Yeah. yeah. I think I am. I think so. Yeah. Um. You know, I think that sometimes we think that sin is my issue between me and Jesus and not my issue between me, Jesus, and the church. Yeah. This is huge because, you know, sin sometimes unites people temporarily. Uh-huh. People rally around sin, right? But, um, but, but sin ultimately divides people and damages, damages yeah. people. If not now, then soon. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes we, we think that sin happens in a vacuum. So we say, my sin is my own personal business. Like my decisions that I make are me. It's no one's business. That's Nobody's right. business. Yeah. Maybe it's Jesus's business, but just me and Jesus. And my church doesn't really have any interest in that. And so that's not biblical New Testament Christianity. I mean, I mean... We're not talking about gossip here. We're not t- not talking about being nosy. We're just talking about like when we do life together, we should really have an interest for our, our spiritual health. And so mm-hmm. when I sin, it's not just to my own detriment. It's to the detriment of the community that I'm in. And when you sin, it's not just to your detriment. It really is to the detriment of the community that you've been placed in. And so I think we really need to have a mind shift to see sin as not just a me problem, but a community problem. Let's take, let's try to think of some examples. You know, I, I think there's many, but let's just take that, that person who says, you know, 
I put in my time at the church. I get it. I don't really need community. I don't really have a sin struggle anymore. Mm-hmm. And what I do doesn't really affect anyone. It's none of their business. If you just take that and you think, you know, people are watching. You yeah. know, if this person's a parent or a grandparent. Your spouse is watching. Yeah, your married, neighbors are watching. Your kids are watching. Yeah, if like, you have kiddos. Yep. The next generation's watching. Your parents are watching. Your other church members are watching. And feeling that absence. And feeling that absence, yeah. I mean. And so, huge, yeah, you, you just issue. see this kind of like, oh, apparently, you know, it's okay if you're disengaged, if you just could care less about what the community of the church is doing. That's okay. In fact, that's that's kind of masculine. You know, you're kind of claiming that's the masculine road or that's the road that's mm-hmm. good. And I think that influence is is toxic. If you give that maybe one generation, maybe the kids could survive that example. Mm-hmm. Two generations, it's very unlikely. Right, yeah. And so, yeah, I think when we think about, okay, sin is anything against the will of God, mm-hmm. um, including, yeah, are you showing repentance? Are you showing faith? Are you building up with your words, your resources, your actions, you know, the mm-hmm. community, the, f- the family that God has called you into. Yeah. And if you're saying, I don't really care about that, like, well, that really is sin. And it's not just yeah. a personal issue. And, you know, I, this has even changed the way that I see worship is that I used to see worship as I go to church for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to go because I need to get filled up. I need to get something out of church. I hope the preacher says something interesting that it sticks with me. I hope the songs are good because if they're not, I wasted my time, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, I think that I've really <laughs> come to see that, you know, like when I go to church, I'm not going for me. Well, first I'm going to the praise and glory of God because he's worthy, but I'm also going to church because of the other people who need me to be there. Because if I absence myself from the community, then other people suffer and, and the, the, the praises are not sung as loud. Yeah. And, yeah. And so even if I go to church and, and let's face it, sometimes we go to church and we're like, yeah, I don't feel like I got anything out of that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But, or maybe if you got kids too, it's like, man, I was just managing children (laughs) the whole whole time. But when you go to church and you realize, you know what, but I was there and I was there for my brother. I was there for my sister and me being there encouraged them maybe in ways I'm not even aware of. So. Yeah, I, I think I was talking to a new member uh, who's relatively young, and she was just like, you know, I don't see many uh, young adults like present in Bible study and this kind of thing. And I was just thinking how that's true. It's not that we don't have young adults. It's just many of them don't show up to Bible study. That's not yeah. really their scene, maybe. And so it, there's kind of a snowball effect. Right. You know, it's like, well, I'd, I would show up if other, someone else showed up. So it's like, well, they're waiting on the same thing. The for question you. is, are you going to do the <laughs> punk rock thing? And yeah, <laughs> and be countercultural. Yeah, we're yeah. Christianity is the, is the last rebellion left. It is. You know? everything else is pretty vanilla. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, well, good, good. So those are three things that kill community, and but Jesus gives life to community, and His people being together and loving each other does as well. And we'll continue to preach through these things with First John. Yeah, challenge this, to the yeah. congregation. Try to read First John a few times or yeah. listen to it. Do it. Um, it's really, uh, yeah, simple but captivating words. Mm-hmm. Uh, cons- uh, they push you around a little bit. It's a little dialectic, you know, black and white. And force you to think a little bit and pray through it. 
Cool. All right. Looking forward to the next one.